0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte.
2: Katie, Katie, are you a coffee drinker? I am.
1: Oh, yeah? I never what used you, to be. Really? Is this a I pandemic
2: new thing or? No, or a port- I a, just
1: moved to Portland, <laughs> Portland thing. <laughs> I mean, this does sound like a very Portland thing, but this is going to sound really, I'm going to sound like a pretentious asshole, but I didn't drink coffee until I lived in Italy. <laughs> Oh, and sure. They like Force fed me espresso every day. They're like, you have to drink it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to. But I'll just pour three teaspoons of sugar into this tiny espresso shot.
0: You're like, I'll just have an affogato every time, please. Yeah. Just uh, ice cream and espresso for me. Uh, <laughs> Thank
1: you. Um, that's, that's, that's great. That's yeah. yeah. Oh, I drink that is the, the way now.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, that is the way to be introduced. Just don't even have like your ugly like Dunky do's, you know, Dunkin Donuts years. Like you don't need that. If you can start at the top of the mountain, you know, and and then just stay there. Good for you. I'm I'm currently in a coffee rut, Andrea. Coffee rut. I'm in a coffee rut. What's that mean? Uh, my espresso maker's broken. It has no. been. Oh. And Sean's a French press guy. Which yeah, yeah. You and Brian are French press we, all the we way. We press. We press. They press. Yeah. They're pressers, right? <laughs> We're pressers. We press. I, it just takes We press. Long. We don't push. We don't push. We press. <laughs> Got it. Got it. <laughs> But I'm just like, I'm, I'm so tired of making it in the morning. My espresso machine was like, boom, I just pulled a beautiful shot. Uh,
0: Here's the only reason why the press is like so good for us. It's because we like have water delivered to the house. Mm -hmm. We have like a a water cooler, which is like not very aesthetically pleasing, but I'll tell you how it is fucking (laughs) pleasing is that when they're grind my coffee in my burr grinder, uh, that the hot water, is ready to go. And I just fucking dump it in. I don't have oh. to boil it. I don't have to put it on a flame. It is like already warm and ready to go. And okay. It's that's why
2: that's wow. why it's working for you. I'm so fucking over yeah. it.
0: I'm also like, I've been like, should I do the pour over? Should be not. But it's too many steps for me in the morning.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, no. Ricardo, my partner does that every morning and it's like five minutes. And I'm like, uh good for you, but I cannot wait that long for coffee. <laughs>
2: Hey guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. <laughs> I'm your other host, Brooke Van Poplin. And joining us today on Sidework is host of one of our partnering podcasts, Copper and Heat for One Star Podcast Network. <laughs> Please welcome Katie Osuna, everybody. Hi, Katie. Hello.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked.
2: Oh, my
0: God. I'm so happy we're finally, finally doing this. Uh, I love that we're just already like ranting about coffee and how we feel about it. What a what a world we live in. But it's a very specific thing, how you want it, how you evolve into it. I like my coffee how I like my coffee.
2: Well, (laughs) and as much as, you know, like during the pandemic and quarantine, one of my one of my few little treats and and ways that I would venture out of the house is like I'm going to go to the local Mm -hmm. spot and for my second coffee of the day. I can't be seen first for like, they don't, they don't (laughs) need to see me for first coffee. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm pretty committed to second coffee of the day. I'll, I'll go support lemon poppy or whatever. But, um, it is just like, it's a whole thing making all your, like always getting coffee made at home in the morning now versus grabbing it on the way or whatever. It's, I don't know. I've, I've had a couple different iterations of how I take my drug, but you know, it's
0: true. It's very true. I, you know, I where I work, we recently moved locations, and prior to that, we had oh god, I had oh yeah, blue bottle five different mm. coffee shops at my disposal within like wow. a two block radius, and now it's a little bit of a coffee desert, if you will, where I'm at now. That's so sad. And, and it's fine. I just bring my big like, you know, my big jug. Oh, coffee with me to work in the morning and sip on it all day. But I really do miss like a little like nice iced Americano situation in the middle of the day. So and I
2: still miss it. Can Something I tell else. you that? And I don't think I'm going to keep doing it. But I got so crazy angry at the French press that Instagram advertising got me. And there's this product called Jot. Have you seen it? No, jot. Mm -hmm. so I'll show it to you. But it comes in like um, a tiny it looks like hair care product or something like a really precious, you know, bartender would keep his tincture in. But it's like Mm -hmm. super, super, super coffee concentrate. And you literally just take one teaspoon, put it in your cup, fill the rest with fucking oat milk. And it is like a strong as buck creamy delicious iced latte right
1: so it's like you're making your
2: i know
0: (laughs) so it's like you're making your cold brew a little bit or i mean have you seen like the cold brew machines that you can like soak your coffee in and there's a little filter on the bottom And then you can make your concentrate concentrate that way. Then you just add water to it. Wow. Also, a good good idea. Anyway, let's get it. Should we we stop talking about coffee? Um, I started it. It's my fault. No, no, it's fine. (laughs) Let's get into a little bit of, you know, top of show pre shift, you guys. Uh, We're here with Katie. As you guys know, One Star Network is out there for you guys to listen to. We have Copper and Heat, which we'll talk about today. And pull you guys in so you can go over and listen to that. Modern Waiter. We have In Your Mouth. We have Confessions of a Server.
2: Macaroni Zone. Oh, boy. So many fun new shows to listen to, Brooke. Yes. And uh, obviously, please come on over and join our Patreon if you want. We're sorry that we were definitely a little lax with content this last month trying to get a network off the ground. But we're back. We just posted a brand new I don't know what we're going to call it. We're calling it shift drink where we have yeah, a guest like, to join us.
0: Uh, yeah. It uh, was I think server submitted shift drink, I think, is another thing we we're bopping around. But yeah, James Dunn came on over and just basically told us like a classic story of his uh, days of being in the service industry. And I, Brooke, for one, felt like I was like at a post shift, like getting a little tipsy
2: with you guys at the end, having so much fun. <laughs> It it brought feels because James and I really, even though neither of us have worked at the spot we were both talking about, I mean, the memories, the time and place, the whole thing. Like, we can talk for days about that job we had together. So it was super fun. It's it's like, I don't remember most of my life, but I remember all the restaurant stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact.
2: <laughs> it's like anyone who has wronged me. Um, Hmm. where, you know, came to getting tipped or not. I'm like, I remember you. You're burned into my brain forever. (laughs) Never forget. Oh,
0: can I say, uh, I went out to eat. I went to lunch on Monday. I was the first, I met like, we met other vaccinated people and we sat and we had a meal outside and it was lovely. Um, but the place that we went to. It, I was just like, you guys are fucking setting yourself up for success. Looks like in the past there used to be like two bathrooms, uh, one male, one female, whatever. But now one is for employees only. And one is for everybody else, and I was like, "Oh God, this is brilliant! You guys are fucking killing it over here." And then, of course, they have like a um, two-hour limit on bottomless mimosas, and in, in huge letters it says, "Like we'll kick you out if you act like a two-year-old." Like they're just—they're <laughs>
2: not—they're not—they're not holding back <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah,
1: Kate, Katie, what's the temperature? Have you felt safe venturing out in Portland? I haven't gone and eaten at a restaurant yet in Portland. We've been here for two
2: months now, yeah, I yeah. think.
1: And we've like gone gotten takeout and stuff, totally. which has been great, but I'm getting vaccinated next week and I'm oh, so Ooh. fucking excited to go and sit on a patio and eat. Yeah. I can't wait. I cannot wait to have somebody else cook and it like bring it out to me fresh from yeah. the kitchen. Oh my God. Yeah. Here's yeah. a fistful of money. Thank you for everything. <laughs> yes, yes,
2: 50%, 60%. <laughs> I know. I actually, I, I, that would be really fun to go get a really crisp stack of ones just so you could do like the... a
0: <laughs> Make it rain. Yep. Yes. I...
2: Well, let's pop into some headlines, shall we? Yeah, and both headlines today are coming from New York State. So
0: this first headline is fucking incredible. High school entrepreneurs pilot a roaming (laughs) cheese bus. Yes. Okay. So essentially these two 17 year olds um, had to come up with like this, a business as you do in high school, you have the classes that you take where you're like, come up with a business. Will it make any money? Will it not? And again, this, they're upstate New York near the Finger Lakes. And they were like, huh? I wonder if people would like want, cheese if we go around on our bikes or get a bus because we're in a wine country and people like want cheese with their wine so maybe we should just drive around and sell cheese to people and what i say is why didn't i think of this (laughs) Ah, I cannot dream. I mean, this is a dream. This is like, this is going to this would change everything. Can you imagine just be like, yes, I'm definitely like in one country having a nice time? Oh, I got the hungries. I'm hungry. I don't want to do a cheese plate here. I want to bring my own or picnic. And then you look in the distance and there's just like a bus painted like cheese, and you go buy the cheese from them. Oh, I'm I'm I can't take it. It's so great. All I can say
2: is this neighborhood has. I know this is such a cliche, but it's just such a serial killer ice cream truck over here <laughs> in Glass Hill Park. And... Literally, the truck only has Christmas music. So it's playing like oh holy night <laughs> while it crawls through the neighborhoods.
0: Uh there is an ice cream truck in my neighborhood that does that in the middle of the summer. All
2: they have is Christmas music. It's I'm just like, can we all get a GoFundMe together for a new soundtrack for this, you know? But so the idea of a truck roaming through and I mean, if they're good, smart, entrepreneurial, you know, high school seniors moving on with a big business, they're going to have a, a range of prices. If you just want a wedge, you know, something, and they should have like little accoutrement that, you know, if you need like a tiny little cutting board. Yeah, Cute
0: absolutely. Oh. I, do you need like, do you, yeah. Do you, we have wine openers, artisanal sodas. They're going to an entrepreneurial competition in Tennessee. That is uh In June, that they could win $5,000. And I tell you what, if there was a cheese truck, I would chase a cheese truck down the street.
2: the way can yes. i scream for cheese i do um yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i wheeze for cheese because i run and i'm like <sighs> after i'm done running so i'm wheezing for a wheeze for cheese you get it brooke i, I get it it's it's the high cholesterol because <laughs> we eat too much cheese
2: it's it so also good. messes up your bronchial area. <laughs> Uh, But we're so excited. We want to follow this story as it goes. But, yeah, it sounds like if they can get this plan, you know, hatched, that they want to establish multiple cheese trucks across the Finger Lakes region. And then you call old Brooke and Andrea and we will franchise a cheese truck over here. Hello, I'll drive a cheese truck. 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 I know. (laughs) Are we back in the part of the pandemic where we're considering... Opening a food truck again because that was early <laughs> pandemic for me. I was like, I think we're gonna try and start a food truck. I don't fucking know what to do with my life.
0: <laughs> I don't know. And now we're probably. Back. I mean, you could sell cheese, and then you could have specials. Like you could do a cheese, have your cheese always, and have like the refrigerated picnic section. But then be like, guess what? We also got a coney dog today, which is super easy <laughs> to slap
2: together and have specials. Katie, that Katie, would Katie, go- Katie will help us? Katie, yes. she's right there with us. I know and. There's no way that something like that wouldn't succeed in Portland. Are you kidding
1: me? Oh my God, yes. Like, just like park it outside of the park. Area? Like oh, yeah they would go fucking crazy for that. And like the little, have you seen those little cones, like the paper cones with the meat, sliced meats in there too? Like do a little, yes. little charcuterie cone. Yes. 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 Oh my those god. Those oh. give me
0: like Italy feels like the cones that have all the little fried seafood in it. They yeah. just eat it with a big toothpick. Mm-hmm. You just put that big mm-hmm. toothpick for the charcuterie in there, ready to roll. Wow. All day,
1: yeah. every gotta day. come to it's, the West Coast. It's it's
2: time for trucks to have things I actually want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> It's time. <laughs> um okay, so this is another fun headline that got me feeling all sorts of feels. Uh so apparently this debuted back in um February, the doors were able to open. But if any of you have ever lived in New York, New York or ridden the subway along the one line at the 28th uh, Avenue station, or sorry, 28th Street station at 7th Avenue. Now you go down the subway stairs and there is a door to the right that now is the home to a tiny speakeasy that lives on the subway platform. Wow. And my brain has exploded. So this is the brainchild of uh, a bar and dance club owner in Brooklyn. Um, I didn't know him. I don't think I'd been to... I know what Kinfolk was, and I've been there, but I never met Jay Perry. might just be Jay Perry. I put a little spin on that for fun. But
1: (laughs) this, this speakeasy
2: is called Lenox. And basically, you know, this came about because he lived in Tokyo for six years. And so I'm always thinking... I don't have personal experience, but when you see it, you're like, everything's like this underground, subterranean. There are just hidden gems down the stairs this way, please.
0: Yeah. And I think people have to get really creative because like there's not a lot of room, you know? Right.
2: So, I mean, I'm, there's already like a 500 person or a 900 person deep waiting list to get in um, because they can only do... they can only do 15 people at a time because of wow. COVID and you can't really air that space out. Cause you are underground indoors, you know, that's like yeah. two layers of non COVID friendly, um, air, air situations. <laughs> but, uh, prior to February, he, they were just like down there, like just imagine how delightful coming down the subway steps or coming back up after a long day of work. And then this little window was open and they were doing like fresh, fresh pressed juices, sandwiches, if you ordered food, then you could also buy their craft to go cocktails with it and to like walk up, you know, to your apartment or the nearest corner, like the local drunk and crack it open and eat a sandwich and have some open in talks. But
0: I'm really really pining for experiences like this again. I'm really at the point where I'm double backed and I'm like, let's fucking party. I want to go to secret clubs. I want to be on a list. (laughs) I want to go do it. Like (laughs) i'll pay whatever for that drink i don't give a fuck like that's (laughs) how i feel right now yeah Uh, um how fun how fun and i love like hopefully more will spring up i mean this Uh, reminds me i love this reminds me of like during like the club kid days when they would go like turn a subway car or a train station like into a rave like those are the (laughs) feels i'm getting from this speakeasy.
2: And it's honestly to me, I'm like, how has this never, it's crazy, think of all the weird little nooks and crannies that are just existing in those subway tunnels. There are a bunch of rooms that have generators in them, sure, I'm sure they run the subway, but we can always (laughs) smash in a little, uh, you know, another little speakeasy down there, like it's so authentic and rustic, the sound (laughs) of the boiler room that we're drinking next to. That's so Um, great. Little
0: follow-up uh headline to our 24-hour diners uh episode. Oh, interesting last Okay, week. So this is, and this is all this is back from 2017. So it's not current, but I just came upon it and I had never heard it before. So this is coming to you from across the pond, namely Ireland, uh, Britain, um, when Britain was still part of the EU. Uh Select McDonald's play classical music for drunk customers is the headline. So basically what happens, uh, I don't know if it's still happening after a certain time of night. And we did do a little shout out to fast food workers having to work around the clock and like the, you know, ins and outs and shenanigans that they have to navigate through a third shift. Um, but, you know, for people getting so goddamn rowdy, being so wasted in these McDonald's specifically, they would pipe in Bach, Mozart, chill <laughs> classical music in hopes to literally tame savage beasts, drunken <laughs> savage beasts who want french fries and Big Macs at 3 a.m., uh, which I thought was pretty amazing information to know and thought that everybody else should know it too.
2: <laughs> did, did you have a 24 hour hang back in the, uh, back in the day, Katie? Taco Bell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think like, I'm trying to think like what, what talk, I feel like, of course I'm thinking of like high school me sitting totally. in the taco bell parking lot
2: or think i mean which is who hasn't been who did that last night me uh, i was del taco that we all know i prefer del taco but um, that's fair fair it's very fair or like i'm thinking of like we just closed down service katie a long night of you know getting some tickets in the window where did the where does the chef go for the late night grub
1: I'm, god i don't even there was so the most recent place i was working at I guess the second most recent was in Los Gatos, California. And so there's like not a lot open late. It's like the bar where there's no food and Jack in the box, which is honestly where I would stop on my way home, not eat for 12 hours and slam back about 4,000 calories of Jack in the box. Oh yeah.
0: You're like, yeah, I'm just going to have all apps. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Some tacos, some jalapeno poppers, just everything. Anyway. So like, Or like I would eat a bunch of Trader Joe's frozen shit when I got home.
2: There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there
1: wasn't a lot. (laughs) I'm telling
2: you, like the the 24 hour place that has a decent bite to eat. It's Mm. it's a brilliant business plan. So Mm. Um, we'll want to move into Uh, some server submitted. Stories.
0: All right, guys, first story today. Hey ladies, loved your 24 hour diner episode as always. It reminded me of when I was freshly 21 and got a job as a brunch hostess at the five point cafe, the notorious and longest operating 24 hour diner bar in Seattle. Its slogan is alcoholics serving alcoholics since 1929. (laughs) 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 To paint a picture, the diner side has the classic black and white tile and counter service and uh was underage friendly. The bar side had a moose head covered in bras donated once a year to the local women's shelter. Oh, amazing. And posted photos of the bra owners flashing their tits behind the bar. <laughs> Definitely not minor friendly. Because of Seattle liquor laws, the bars would close from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. and all the drunks would funnel over to the diner side for tater tots and cheese curds. Uh, what a magic magical place in some respects. Once a year, we would close for 12 hours to deep. Clean, which didn't really get rid of the classic grease and beer smell, our longtime regulars would comment on with affection. As the hostess, I was basically the brunch bouncer, having to corral the many hungover slash still drunk folks that would flock to us for pancakes and Bloody Marys. If anyone mentioned that time Guy Vietti ate with us, we jokingly told them to get the fuck out, but we're kind of serious. <laughs> I have many stories of my time at that place, but my favorite that happened while I worked there was the time that Roach, our (laughs) night bouncer, refused entry to Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine and some of his friends simply because we were at capacity. (laughs) Tom tried to lay on the charm and requested a private room, but the five point is the size of a shoebox, so the only private room they would have been able to get would be the urine-splattered men's room. (laughs) When he didn't get what he wanted, he threw a tantrum on his Facebook page <laughs> that we uh, started referring to as egg Our manager thought it was hilarious and put eggs against the machine on our billboard. <laughs> oh, so
2: funny. Oh. And then
0: she posted a lot of articles about the instance, which we will repost. Uh, Godspeed and good <clears throat> tips. I keep meaning to write about my experience as a bartender in Ireland, just so I can hear you guys try to do the accent uh, yes, please. Uh, Sonnet. That one's from Sonnet. Oh, fudge. That's a great story. I, I'm telling
2: you, these poorly behaved members of Rage Against the Machine <laughs> throwing their little late night egg tantrums. I told you I was in a spin
0: class with Zach de la Rocha and I mean, after, yeah, after a certain time of night, they're just bulls on parade. Uh, I'm going to say that. <laughs>
2: He was, yeah, he left the class early and interrupted it. And the um after he walked out, the spin instructor was like, that was rude. Did something crazy like that. But so I've I've always been like, he was raging against his stationary bike. You know what I'm I mean? I mean, it is a machine when you think about it.
0: Oh boy. Oh, this no. type of diner is chaos, but
2: I'm so glad they exist. I'm it's- so glad institutions exist like this. Mm-hmm. I'm just I mean, there is nothing equivalent. This is not L.A. for me, you know, like it's all New York and Chicago. These were my I would have either worked at a place like this or you could find me there um, (laughs) after a night of comedy and revelry and what have you. So this place, I mean, I'm sure it's still there. It didn't sound like it. Is gone. We'll have to research this. So Katie, oh, I'm have, sure it's still there. We have a running list of all the places we want to attempt to do a live show once quarantine's up.
1: Ooh.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I think this is on the list for yeah. Seattle, even yes. though it's a tiny little spot. Oh, the Five Point Cafe. Uh, yes, please. This
0: also reminds me of, I love it when things are two things. And for me, it, it, w- Chicago liquor stores that are also have bars attached to them. <laughs> It's a
2: beautiful thing. <laughs> it is a beautiful thing. Um, okay, so this is a little this is a little lengthy, but I think it kind of feeds into some of the topics we're gonna touch on um with you, Katie, in a little bit. Kind of talking about <clears some throat> of the differences uh when it comes to being you know, gendered uh, as female working in the service industry and Mm. obviously different trials and tribulations when you're a server versus chef, but they all come from the same shitty place. Anyways. (laughs) All right. So this was (laughs) written in by our longtime fan and friend and listener and now business owner and cook. She's amazing. But Midwest nice makes. Hello, girl. So here we go. She says, hello, my sisters in serving and badass (laughs) podcast network havers. (laughs) That's a great. She says, it's been over a year since I've had to sling plates, switch kegs, or deal with asshole customers. Hell yeah, girl. She said, I had almost forgotten about how terrible it could be until a fateful trip to the local car dealership where I ran into possibly my least favorite customer in all of my 13 years in the service industry. She goes on, let's call him Chris, his real name, because he does not deserve enough anonymity. I encountered Chris during my time managing a bar at a local brewery. It was busier than normal Saturday. I was alone behind the bar and he was with a group of his shitty friends. Boy, I'm sure Chris had (laughs) shitty friends. I don't doubt that. The bar was L shaped with the cash register on one end. The taps were the two sides of the L connected in the corner and seating all along both sides. I'm secure enough in my serving abilities to toot my own horn about being able to handle my shit during busy shifts. I could definitely cash out one customer, pour two beers for another and start a tab for a third, all in a few smooth movements. I was, right? I was a well-oiled machine behind that bar. My boss, coworkers, and regular customers knew it. They also knew not to get in my way when I was in the mm-hmm. zone, air quotes, and that if there was an empty glass or a customer waiting, I almost certainly already knew about it. Thank you very much. Right. Which is how I knew I would need to get Chris another beer after cashing out one customer's card, giving change to another and grabbing clean glasses from the sink. I planned my attack and made all my movements on autopilot. I stopped in front of his glass, smiled and asked, can I get you another one? Uh, yeah, if needed one for a while. Maybe if you Mm -hmm. spent less time squeezing into those pants and more time serving your customers, you'd be a better bartender. He replied with a smirk. Oh, flirty, Chris. Um, uh, uh, I know. Wow. (laughs) she's she goes on. Here we
0: go. (laughs) Now,
2: now, this statement made me furious for a few reasons one i looked fucking adorable in my pants mm-hmm. my whole outfit actually i had paired my standard work issue tee that i cut the neck and sleeves off of with a pair of white and blue checkered jeggings red lipstick and hoop earrings very dorothy from the wizard of oz meets JLo. lo okay <laughs> i enjoyed saturday night shifts and often took the opportunity to dress up fake it till you make it i like to believe number two i'm an awesome bartender and server in all my years in the service industry. I have only had a handful of complaints, none of which were about my speed of service and all, which were about my smart mouth. (laughs) That's How you want it to be number three, this motherfucker was wearing a wedding ring. He had somehow managed to trap a woman into an eternity with his arrogant, <laughs> sexist ass. Oh,
1: man. Number
2: four, none. And I mean, none of his friends said anything or stood up for me. I was mm. clearly swamped, but still cooking ass. And they all knew it as evidenced by their full glasses of beer. Okay. So for a split second, I was in complete shock and then complete outrage. Yeah. My smart, mo- my smart mouth, took off before my brain and I let him have it. Yeah. I know. I know. Now I don't know Amanda's voice, so I'm not going to do a shitty impression. I'm going to read this as Bruce. Feel it. Feel the character. (laughs) Feel the lines. Okay. How dare you? I don't deserve that. You have no right to comment on my body like that. When I am just doing my job, he interrupted me at that point saying it wasn't meant to be a compliment on how you looked Oh, Whoa. or a oh, gross! Whoa. Ew! He's like, well, it wasn't meant to be a compliment on how you looked. He tried. Oh, cool. Okay, so now he's playing it off. When you hmm. when you come back at someone, then now you're an ugly bitch or a fat bitch or you know that when you reject the advances, then they're like, "Oh, fuck you, you ugly!" I hate
0: him. like Chris. Chris, Chris.
2: Chris, you started this convo, Chris. All right. So he tried laughing it off while his buddies sat stone faced. Mm. She said, I don't need your fucking compliments and I don't need comments, period. You're married. You have no right to comment on my body. I pray to God my fiance never speaks to another woman the way you just spoke to me. At that, he finally looked sheepish and his friends were all shocked and impressed. I was too, to be honest. (laughs) I poured his beer, slammed it on the bar, told my boss what the asshole did and went in the back to cry. Because <sighs> let's be honest, after that She's huge so
0: output rage-y. of yeah. rage and
2: energy, it unfortunately does end in tears because it's it's just so unnecessary. So mm-hmm. anyways, and he fucking interrupted her flow. Fuck this guy. OK, mm-hmm. fucking Chris, right, Chris. OK, even writing it now, I'm shaking with rage. I've endured creepy comments from even creepier men plenty of times. I've brushed off so many weird come-ons, including, but not limited to the time a guy saw the butter tattoo on my forearm and went, Ooh, butter, slippery while maintaining full eye contact. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But this one just really struck a chord with me. Of course, it didn't help that this (laughs) dill hole had been in the brewery before wearing horrible racist and offensive pro-Trump paraphernalia. Gross. She's like, I should have known he was trouble. Hmm. Thankfully, the story has a hilarious, if not happy, ending. After crying it out, I collected myself, told my boss I would never be serving him again and went about my shift. A few weeks later, he came in during a slow lunch, sauntered up to the bar, hands raised, "Uh, I promise to behave this time, with another shit-eating grin. Oh my God, Chris. I smiled in return, told my boss I wasn't serving him, and walked into the back. I called my then-fiancé, now-husband Seth, who miraculously had the day off and was only 10 minutes away. He's back, I said. Seth arrived in about five minutes. Wow. When I saw all six foot, three inch, 300 pound corn fed farmer, motorcycle riding, <laughs> long beard having of my betrothed come through the door. <laughs> I knew it was safe to come out of the back. I hugged him, kissed him and got him a beer. He walked over to Chris, who already looked a little <laughs> nauseous and leaned down so only the three of us could hear. Chris or her. Uh, Seth said, if you ever speak to my fiance that way again, I will unscrew your arm and beat you with it, was all Seth said before (laughs) moving to the other end of the bar, taking a seat and ordering lunch. (laughs) Oh, good God. Okay, and that's all he had to say. Chris spent the rest of his lunch trying to avoid eye contact with Seth and trying not to cry, uh, you know, by the looks of it. He silently ate, paid his bill, and left with his tail between his legs. Good. And the rest of my time there, I never encountered him again. And thankfully, up until last month, I hadn't seen him around town. It should come as no surprise that when we entered the car dealership at the same time, he wasn't wearing a mask while (gasps) Seth and I were. Too bad, too, because if he had his face covered, it would have been way less obvious when he noticeably paled after making making eye contact with first me and then (laughs) Seth. It could have been my imagination, but he may have also clutched his arms together when Seth got closer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud to say that I married a man who stands up for me for other women and doesn't think he's too manly to wear a mask thanks for reading this email. I know it was long. What can I say? I'm a middle child who loves a captive audience. Hello, <laughs> <Hi>. sister. <laughs> keep, up, keep up the great work. Godspeed. Good tips and good health, Amanda. And P.S. Gentle reminder to all who listen to wear a mask when going through the drive through mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. The person in the window deserves just as much protection as anyone else. Your open car window doesn't prevent the spread of COVID.
0: Hell yeah. She does it again. We haven't heard from
1: her in so long. What a great fucking story. Such a good story. Fuck Chris. Fuck Fuck Chris.
2: Chris. That's our takeaway. There is no other takeaway other than don't be a Chris, everyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fuck all the Chris's in the world. Thank you. I just I mean, I imagine
0: Chris has a Karen haircut. That's how I'm imagining him. So (laughs) Frosty Chris tips.
2: Frosty tips, Chris. Crispy (laughs) tips. Um, if you guys have stories. As always, you can submit them to sideworkpod at gmail.com. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Let's get into our topic of the day, which is... Welcoming our guest Katie Osuna and talking about her podcast Copper and Heat, the origins, you know, that built to her becoming uh, an audio mogul. Oh, uh, building shit. a, I know, <laughs> building a small empire. I don't know about that. But... Oh, I, it's, it's happening. It's, it's happening. happening. We say so. <laughs> we say so. But um, yeah, I feel like what's really fun is like since we haven't had a lot of opportunities because of busy life and. A pandemic and not being in the same state we haven't had Mm. much of an opportunity to just hang so we would love to kind of know about how you got started in this business (laughs) what kind of sparked your interest in the world of you know culinary expertise and becoming a chef damn yeah, she's like, fuck, okay. Where do I be? she's like, she's like it's I it start? she's like, it's in the
1: podcast, asshole. Just listen to my podcast. Just <laughs> not to the fucking podcast. No, it's not in the podcast, really. I, God, I mean, I have a pretty typical story in that, like my family loved food. I have like an Italian American family and they all love to eat and talk about eating it. We talk about it all the time, and we're always planning what we're gonna eat next. <laughs> so that's like the typical side of food. Um But I think how I got into like the culinary scene. I like really wanted to be a landscape architect when I was in high school. Interesting, I don't yeah. really know why. <laughs> I don't remember where that came from, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a landscape architect. And then somehow that morphed into mm, I'm going to work in agriculture, which then eventually morphed into I'd rather cook food than grow it, but maybe do a little bit of both. So <laughs> I don't know. It kind of was a roundabout way. I like started out in college working on some cheese farms. That's how I ended up in Italy, oh, drinking nice. a lot of coffee. Oh, cheese my. farms, cheese what? farms, <laughs> like goat cheese farms. Um, wow! Yeah, because I studied anthropology in college, and so oh, wow, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I really want to do for my senior thesis. I want to find a way to eat cheese. <laughs> so, i'm telling you you need right? to mentor these seniors and their cheese, the cheese truck i, I know no it's a brilliant idea they really they really got to do it if they ever listen to this podcast hit me up <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll, we'll
2: make a connection we're, yeah that's
1: good make real
2: tight with some 17 yeah. year olds so.
0: so how old was a
2: cheese farm you were working on
1: Um, So there was one in Idaho. Like the senior thesis was like, I'm going to compare what it looks like to make artisan cheese in like Idaho, which is where I was from. Small town in Idaho and a small town in southern Italy in Calabria. So the one in Idaho was celebrating like its 25th year, I think, 30th year is this one woman, Karen Evans, who was running it. Fucking badass. I love Karen. We're still like great friends. She was in her. 60s at the time i don't really know but um she just lost her husband to cancer and so she was running this thing by herself just like badass milking 70 goats a day like twice a day and like making cheese with like the help of like one other person and it was just awesome fucking love karen she's a badass um but then the one in italy it had like the business itself had been around for i don't know i don't know how long but not very long but the family had been on the land for like I don't know, a thousand years or something like forever, literally forever. And they like, so I lived, um, I did that woof program, the worldwide opportunities on organic farm. So like I just lived there and worked for free and then they like fed me and it was just like, it was a wild experience. And yeah, I mean, Italian t- Italian men are the worst, first of all, um, or at least <laughs> some of them, some of them are the absolute worst. A lot uh, of Chris's, but, but they're, yes, but they're lot like, lot Christoph, Christopher. <laughs> who really like to uh, pretend that American girls have like a soft spot for Italian men. Anyway, that's beside <laughs> the point. Um, yeah, so they've been there forever and it was awesome. And I loved making cheese and eating cheese and drinking coffee. <laughs> And shitting my
2: pants. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> beautiful. So then, so yes. then
0: you did the anthropology, you did the cheese thing, and then were you just like, "Yep, time to cook food." I'm like, in, "I'm entering into this world."
1: Yep, I I got back at the end of the summer and went and interviewed at, for my first job in a kitchen because I was just like, "I really want to see what that's like." So then I got a job as a line cook. Um, was this in Idaho? Yeah. You were back from Idaho, Italy. Still, yeah, okay, in Boise. Um, yeah, so that's where I got my first first job as a line cook, was the what only type woman. of What
0: type of restaurant was it?
1: Uh, it was this place called Brewphoria, and they were like a beer store, purely like beer kind of place. And then they had like gastropubby kind of food. And I mean, they were doing some like fun, interesting things for Boise because like Boise... Um, I mean, people just like burgers and pizza there for the most sure. part. <laughs> sure. Especially like, I don't know, this was like 10 years ago. Um, so, but the chef was like, I'm going to do different stuff. I'm going to do some really cool things. And I was like, hell yeah, I love your food. I'm going to go work for you. Um, and he was just like a really cool dude. Um, I really liked him, but during, during my interview, he's like, um, you're going to be the only woman FYI, like right. you're going to be the only girl. So like, yeah, you just- better be able to handle it. And I'm like, Yeah, I can handle it. Fuck you. I can handle it. I didn't say that, but that was what was going on in my head. But that was the first like introduction into line cook world. (laughs) Was it,
0: was it a good introduction? Did you, or were, did it, you know, did you
1: feel out of place Were you made to feel out of place? This is the thing I all throughout this, this is kind of in the podcast, but not as much, but like, right. Um, I had always kind of had that like attitude of like, I'm not like other girls. I'm going to be like one of the guys. I'm going to hang out with the guys and, you know, do that whole thing. Yeah, And, you know, (laughs) you quickly realize how like untenable it is. It's exhausting. It's "Mm, It's exhausting. And it's just like, wow, this is just not okay. (laughs) This is not an okay thing for me to like be sexism basically on myself and to every other woman, like what's wrong with being a girl. Um, so that was, I still kind of had that attitude. And so like, I got along with the guys that worked there really well. I really Mm -hmm. liked hanging out with them, but as I kind of moved through that and, um, started thinking about things a little bit more, I was like, Hmm. This is uh, hmm, maybe, maybe that shouldn't be the way that I think about things. But at the time I was still kind of just like, yeah, I'm going to fit in with the guys and be one of the guys. I completely, I completely,
2: um, sorry. I completely excuse that attitude and understand it. I think as long as hopefully at some point you don't continue to be that woman um, mm-hmm. because I feel like women like that sort of like, it probably stormed the Capitol, you know, like, yeah.
1: I, it's <laughs> right. like you just don't yeah. want to. They're cont- the
2: ones that are like, it's just locker room shenanigans. Exactly. Yeah. Excuse all that shit. Excuse yeah. all that nonsense to be like, no, you can actually, although it's not easy, like they say in politics, you can walk and chew gum where you can of course get along with male counterparts and do the male job, but still retain, your dignity as a woman, which is, and you know, or woman identifying with, you know, we're, we're, we're doing I our part here, we're we're young, talking all the time, yeah. And I know that we all kind of like leaned in,
0: into this when we were young, um, mm-hmm. that we see like keeping up with the guys and being a part of it is like, <sighs> I mean, we coming to their level to be like, they have this opportunity and like, they get more opportunity and like, being like I can handle it I'm part of this group I'm fucking equal it's like when they should all be fucking coming to down to our level or up to our level I don't yeah, even I know like, how to I'm just you know <laughs> sorry sorry you know what I mean like I I mean I think that's what it is I think it's it's this enticement that they get more than we get is that what it is you know I mean I'm just trying to like kind of like break it down in my head about why I, I felt that way that mm-hmm. I
2: was like I can keep up with you guys whatever let's fucking go I'm not I, a fucking girl I, think, I can do yeah. it you know yeah. Yeah. it's like it, it's just a really interesting time to be alive and to be women in our I, I'm assuming you might be like late 20s, early 30s at this point, Katie.
1: 30. Exactly.
2: OK, Ooh. baby. Yeah. So, you know, two decades of women all speaking right now that we've been able to watch a lot of change happen in real mm. time. But say 10 years ago, it was just entrenched in mm. sexism and it was the normal Thing and you just dealt with the culture. And so yeah. that's why it's very exciting that you have a podcast that, you know, is exploring it and pushing back it's with season one, which is be a girl, which is, you know, t-
1: totally all about what we are <laughs> Be a fucking into girl. Right be a fucking girl, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, we talked about this in the podcast, but it's like, it's not just about women, It's like about everybody, like be a girl is not an insult. Being quote unquote feminine is not an insult or it shouldn't be like everybody should be able to express full range of emotions without being called like some gendered derogatory term. Exactly. Or just, just the idea that, you know, that men love to
2: participate in toxic masculinity when it's Mm -hmm. like, that's not the truth. You -hmm. know, I think a lot of men, if they had better leaders and better examples, which we are continuing to see more of that would appreciate that a lot more and recognize like oh this is how i feel better being Mm -hmm. and you know the pressure's now off me to then punch down on a female because it makes the group and it keeps the status quo totally happy you know totally yeah Yeah.
0: not to mention like the Ca- there's a, definitely a caste system within a kitchen, you know, at the <laughs> yeah, same time. Like mm-hmm. there's different levels. Like you've got your head chef and it's like, and that's the person who is setting the standard for whether or not this is going to be a toxic, disgusting workplace or a happy, like jovial workplace where everybody's equals and ideas are open and we're, you know, and that's the problem, right? Is, mm-hmm. is, is, I feel like chefs these days, male specifically, it's, it, it, there's God complexes, <laughs> it,
2: it, you know? <laughs> That's really what it I'm is. Sure. I'm like, I'm sure she's never encountered any of those. Never, never, never ever, never. I mean, have you, would you want to
0: speak to that? Like, you know, things you've had to go through or the stumbles you've had to, you know, overcome or,
2: you know, I'm sure you've worked for men and, and women in the kitchen. Well, even if you don't mind repeating what's, you know, in episode one is, uh, was this training in France basically where you were in a kitchen and you kind were to remember episode. one. Oh, oh sorry. No, no worries. But you were, you, you were an all male program and the chef didn't refer to you as like chef, but was like, Oh, oh mademoiselle, yeah. you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, so I was at the time I was working for Manresa, which is, um, David Kinch's three mission star restaurant that's in Los Gatos. And right. so for the 15 year anniversary, we did like a pop-up series in France. And so he took the entire kitchen And, um, we went to France and worked in a few different restaurants and did some like fancy dinners and whatever. Um, (laughs) there's a documentary about it now, actually, which is really funny and bizarre. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I was on the savory side, so I was the only female on the savory side. Um, and there were like pastry was, um, at that time, I think only women, but, um, It was me and a bunch of dudes standing in the kitchen and another like it was after the dinner service and this chef, this other chef from Paris. I think he also has a three Michelin star restaurant. And honestly, I've forgotten his name. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that shows how much I care about who this guy is Seriously. but everybody else was like freaking out because he was some really famous three Michelin star chef that I was just like okay whatever um but what really pissed me off was that he comes in and is like um telling everybody like oh nice to meet you he was like going around the circle saying nice to meet you nice to meet you and he gets to me and he goes Kathy ooh la la and I was just like Oh, excuse me. <laughs> and I just like, I was standing between two of my friends and I just look at my friend Nick and he's like, do you want me to beat him up for you? And I was just like, ha ha ha. No, and you just like, laugh I'm just like, what can I do? But laugh at it and be like, wow, that's Stupid and bizarre, but whatever. But it was just like really <laughs> insulting because I'm like, hmm. Yeah, damn. right. Things,
0: thanks for making me mm,
1: fuckable damn. in the classic French way, <laughs> asshole. Yeah, in front of like a bunch of other people. And like, I should and also had, mention the yeah, You had just nailed a dinner dudes. shift with them. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. I just cut you off.
1: Oh, no, you're totally fine. It was just a bunch of other like, it was a bunch of 20 something dudes in France. And like, I will say this, working or at least being in kitchens in France versus here. It is better here. Yeah. (laughs) From what I've been able to tell, I mean, there's at least, and maybe it was specifically Manresa compared to some other more traditional restaurants here in the U.S. because like that, I did have a pretty decent experience there. So, but it was just like a, hmm I mean, it's you're so also going hated. there
0: to learn and get your ass handed to you. You're learning like classic technique and you're learning to make your fucking sauces mm. and you're you're probably not getting paid a lot like mm-hmm. everybody else and mm-hmm. you're just doing the best goddamn job you can like every other peer and then to fucking
2: be put in a situation like that. Or not even like being yeah. learning. Like she's, she came over from the US from a well-represented mm-hmm. you know, respected restaurant. So it's like, we're, I'm already established, bitch. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's I true. mean, for sure. But you yeah, you're still there, like learning oh, sure. their methods, you of know. Yeah. 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 And so it's just like I can't, and I won't, I will not go off on this, Andrea, but I just can't begin to explain to you how I feel like we've had very similar paths of, of me being a, you know, a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and being one of three out of a sea of like 150 comedians total when I started in Chicago. And I mean, mm-hmm. we were unicorns and nobody could figure out how to treat us and it was like how about just treat us like another comedian yeah this is crazy I I would either be mocked objectified pointed out like it it just was like yes there are times when you you do sort of like you know our friend Amanda here handling her shit at the bar and Mm -hmm. all it takes is like one male completely undercutting your fucking existence Yeah, that you can't always respond with toughness and you have to go walk out back and cry.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't rely on you know, tips. Like that's a whole other right, shit right, system. Yeah, but.
0: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought this up, Brooke, because honestly, any industry you say, you can just be like, In, insert industry here and we can <laughs> dissect how you know the male like toxic masculinity males taking hold women not being like considered equals is affecting that industry and how things are changing but they're still changing and now what how do you represent gender you know wise like that's all that's part of it too Mm -hmm. um i think there's a lot that we face, you know, very gender specific problems. Um, um, I
2: know I was going to say, I'm like, we can go into in a minute more about like what you are trying to address and solve with the podcast, but it's like you just saying like, Yes, we are different. It doesn't mean less, but women and women identifying absolutely have special needs. And Andrea and I were like, we don't think we could do a whole episode on this, but we were like (laughs) being on the job while you're dealing with PMS and then actually having a period is like, it's legit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you're slammed on the line on a busy Saturday night and you're just like, oh, I'm bleeding all over myself and there's nothing I can do about it.
1: Yeah. And you like, can't even take bathroom. Like that was the thing during service. Like I, we started at like five 30 and it was nonstop until 10 30, at least it's just like, Nope. Oh, all right. Cause I'm just going to hope that everything's okay. Hope I don't bleed all over everything.
2: Yeah. You gotta love the, I mean, I know you don't wear white pants in the kitchen, but you know, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like more. black. <laughs>
2: I know. Thank God. Exactly. And you know, to take that, just the, like where you're like, I want to make sure everyone knows I'm as tough and as capable. But mm-hmm. we also have very real maladies that are mm-hmm. clinically and physician recognized as you're terribly uncomfortable while you're yeah. going through all the symptoms of, you know, having your period, having menses, if you will. Some women are bedridden. It's goddamn. It's the truth, especially if you have endometriosis, if you have mm-hmm. polycystic. um, I forgot what fibroids, any of that. There Mm -hmm. are just so many reasons that you really are. You're actually putting in a hundred and, like fifty percent when you show up for the job, yeah. and pushing you your that way through and yeah, and pushing yeah. your way
0: through like toxins running through your body. Or, not to mention, either yeah. when you're not on. Who, first of all, if you're not dealing with any of this, if you have a bad attitude in the kitchen, guess what? The first thing a man's gonna <laughs> say to you: Are you on your period, on your period, princess?
2: You're also saying like a customer going out of their way to be rude or torment you three other weeks out of a month, I'm usually able to handle it. But you catch me on the night when you literally have no, there's just no bandwidth to take anything more, you know? Oh, and yeah. no, you don't, like, there's no control. There's mm-hmm. no control. So you either are going to do something to the detriment of them, you know, and get like written up, get a bad tip, get a bad review because you're like, I am not keeping my mouth shut this time, you know, <laughs> or you cook
0: your own gum damn steak (laughs) that's what i would yell
2: you know or that you because you're like must not cry or (laughs) yell or whatever then you unravel inside and then like the rest of your night of service could just then you're just off Mm -hmm. and you're now you're out of the zone and all that
1: and it's so real yeah totally and like for me i already have anxiety normally and then dining brings it like up a whole notch. And then the week before my period, I am just like unhinged. And it took me a long time to figure out like, Oh, this anxiety and depression is they, way worse. I got to like, make sure that I pay attention to that. I uh, wasn't but, paying attention to my mental health
2: whatsoever. <laughs> no, because, um, the hormones will fluctuate with your cycle that can aggravate your anxiety and oh, your yeah. panic attacks. And mm-hmm. that is, I mean, I know this sounds dark. You, you, are more likely to, you know, if you have depression issues, have a little more suicidal ideation when because mm-hmm. I jokingly would call my cycle or the week before I'm like, here comes the darkness, you yeah. know, and some months we're like, OK, that wasn't too bad. Other months I'm like, all right, I got to I need to do a PR tour <laughs> of uh, apologizing. <laughs> helping, helping rebuild this small building. I burned down. Um, you know,
0: you're like, why does it look like I have permanent black eyeliner on at least one week a month?
2: But you know, and to just take that into an industry that like barely lets you go pee on a regular day and You need an extra minute to handle the stuff and the tools you need to.
0: I mean, this is a little bit, this is more walk-in decompression. These are the, that's what this calls for, right? Head in that walk in, cool down, take some deep breaths. (sighs) Yeah, Oh,
2: breath. But, you know, but it's, it just is the truth. Women, you know, we are, we are built differently. In many ways we can withstand more pain. We all know what it's like when we see our male, partners or counterparts get a cold and you're like oh okay <laughs> hey are everyone you, sick?
0: you don't feel good today
2: <laughs> oh okay sorry he's gonna draw up his will he's got a cold and so he's gonna draw up his last will and testament um so oh, well, you have a cold but you're still taking smoke breaks in the back also
0: <laughs> no. with your buddies cool, cool anyways cool. i know well, like, that's
1: a whole other thing right is like whether we're actually physically built differently women or people who are foreign women like that has also been used like against us right and specifically against black women to like Mm -hmm. do all sorts of crazy things so like crazy wild things I'm trying not to use the the word crazy anymore as we're talking about mental health anyway (laughs) I know yeah um, fair (laughs) so like it's it's also like a systemic I don't know built thing again another form of sexism so like it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But, it's a whole but thing.
2: Getting back to Copper and Heat though, so it sounds like <laughs> was there like was there a moment sort of in working in a handful now of these like, you know, highly finely rated restaurants as a chef that you're was the contest itself with the James Beard Media um something that inspired you to put something together, or was it a pers- like a personal experience that made you think? I can occupy this space and I haven't seen it done.
1: I think it was, yeah, it was, it started out. Season one was just a personal passion project for both me and my partner because he wanted to do, he's like the sound engineer, does all the music and everything. And he loves that kind of thing. And I was like kind of blogging about things to make myself feel better because I just was like, everything's fucked up. I hate everything. (laughs) And... (laughs) he was like we should just do a podcast because then you can like have these conversations with people instead of just like ranting to me about it <laughs> not that he minded me just ranting about it he's like totally. well, but also, feel <laughs> also Katie I get it he's like hey how about you
2: podcast <laughs> huh? how can't about you give Ricardo
0: a break <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep absorbing this honey <laughs> stop putting yeah, your exactly. darkness
1: on me <laughs> don't, don't do it anymore I can't handle it yeah so that's where season one came from <laughs> but it was cool cuz i did have an opportunity i talked to like some different women that i used to work with mm-hmm. and um who i uh different men who i used to work with or who were i was working with and it was just like it was just really great to have some of those conversations and try and tease out some of the crap that i was thinking about every day as i was like peeling peas or whatever like <laughs> i cuz it wasn't any one thing that happened. Right. It was never like, oh, this like really terrible thing happened to me. And like I was extremely privileged and lucky that I never oh, was sure. like sexually assaulted on the job, like so many right. women or femmes or like just people in general. And it was just more realizing like this system is not built for anybody that is not a white man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So like they have built this entire yeah, system around them. And so it was more thinking about that. And then just like trying to tease, tease that out in season one. And then the James Beard thing just was like, okay, maybe I should take this a little more seriously and do this more consistently and make it a real job. It's so cool. And, you know, I think what's really great
2: too, is, you know, just, which I'm encouraging, like all of our listeners, you know, to give season one. And then beyond that, you'll recognize because season two is is about the overhead and then now season three is is more the overhead in restaurants and then season three is, you know, talking more about how you can build equity and make it a safe space for problem and, you know, problem solving and conflict resolution. All these really cool life skills that many of us, if we came into the service industry at a young age and stayed in it, like we haven't had an opportunity to learn it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, how to negotiate Mm -hmm. fairly or to even know that we have rights. So there's, I think there are three really distinctly useful seasons of your podcast, but I think what's important too. Yeah. Is that in season one with be a girl, um, you know, you're very quick to spell out what we all recognize as women, but then quickly, you know, have conversations whether people are like, yeah, but you're even a tier above because you're a white woman, you know, and to recognize that there is this trickle-down system and that if you are going to just talk about your rights... Um, and feminism and all that stuff that it has to be a broad umbrella that makes sure to lift everybody up of all colors and races and backgrounds and sexual orientations. And cause yeah, we're all just kind of underneath this really overbearing weight of the white male system and economy that's been built. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah. And like, that's going into season two and it's like I don't know. It was just a really wild time that we did season two because it was all about like different economic and financial issues. Right. Because like while we were talking to people in season one, everybody brought up money. (laughs) Everybody brought up money because it is like it's just like a really shitty job. (laughs) Like even working in like a restaurant that's three Michelin stars and, you know, people are paying like a thousand dollars for two people, like we were getting paid shit. Right. <laughs> and it's, that's just like how it is. And again, it's the system. Yeah. Like, they built Absolutely. up. Absolutely. So, what anyway. I think
0: is so great about Copper and Heat is like our show, you know we talk about experiences and we never run out of topics to talk about on side work, but like anybody who listens to it, who's been in the industry, it's so relatable. It's like, it's right back there. And I feel the same about copper and heat, but like at a deeper level where I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, but with my, my eyes so much more open than ever, um, which is great. And even thinking back to like the things that I saw that I witnessed that I stood up for that I, you know, even, it was hard to change things back then. It's still hard to change things now, but to have you out there as a voice and talking to people and hearing about change, like what are you seeing as far as change in the industry so far?
1: (laughs) Oh man, Jesus. Uh, Big question. I think. I'm really glad that just more conversations are happening. I was going to say, first and foremost, like, yeah. yeah, and that's like, I think the big one right now is just like, people need to start calling this shit out when they see it and thinking about things a little bit more deeply and not just thinking about things like me. How is this affecting me? But like if we're going to be like one team, one dream kind of thing, like you should really believe it and really act that way. Not just look out for yourself. And like, Absolutely. you know, people haven't called this out. And like, I didn't always call it out. Right. Like I was in that system and I was doing those jobs and I wasn't calling out the dudes that made stupid jokes or inappropriate comments. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really glad that people are starting to call things out, but Also that there are more leaders who are actually trying to do things differently. And like you said, like transparency is a big one. Or just the the fact that
2: like with your podcast, um, you being the person who's a calling this out and putting it in a like beautiful, digestible, well thought out, you know, listening experience, then you're also platforming people who have a really different experience than, than you do. And that's, I think the whole thing we're looking at with all the racism in this country and equity and is like, if you're in a position to platform other people, that's really, really important. I think that's more of what I've been seeing in the last few years.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um,
2: which is amazing. Or just even something like us being like, did you know that your server's a human, you yeah. know, here's yes. a podcast.
1: Yes. Oh my Absolutely. God.
2: Yeah. Like for us to be able to amplify the voice
0: of servers out there and, and make sure that they're standing up for, themselves right like we all just need to be doing this more yeah
1: like this is a a job and people like to think of it like not a real job like when are you gonna go get a real job or whatever it's like that's bullshit it's like whether or not it's a stopgap, like it's still a real job and it's a lot of fucking work and it takes a lot of skill to do any of these things and i hate it hate it when i hear people say shit like that because it's just like have you done it do you God. know the toll that it takes on like mind and body? Like, <laughs> anyway, I get real riled up about that. Um, Katie, have
0: <laughs> so you, have you ever waited tables? Have you ever bartended? Have you ever been on the other side?
1: I haven't done bartending. I did front of house and then for a bit. And then I worked at another place where I did front of house and kind of like went back and forth between the front and back. I love so it. I have done both. And that's, that's a whole other thing, right? Like, I know you guys were talking about this too, but like, the front of house versus back of house thing. Like, stop it! We need to be working together.
0: Oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trust me,
1: we might say versus, but it's
0: everybody's going to come together at the end.
2: Don't you worry? We're all one big team. Uh-huh. One team, one dream. One team, one dream. Um, yeah, I, I think you know because you're wrapping up your third season. And is there any hint you could give us? Are you already thinking about a fourth season?
1: I have a lot of ideas i don't know what it's going to be yet and i don't i'm just going to say it because i can say whatever i want about my you, own podcast yeah you can um, <laughs> i speaking of like passing the mic and so i've been i've been producing this other show with um chef Prithi mystery and they're in the bay area and um their big thing is like there's a lot of white folks who like run podcasts, right? There's a lot of like Mm -hmm. white Food podcast. So I've been thinking about that a lot over the last year. And I was like, should we do this for season three or not? I kind of want somebody else to host a conference. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I don't know how we would go about that because like the big thing is like we're not making any money. Right. <laughs> so like I'm not gonna ask somebody to take on it ha- this. Ha- huge have project. To, yeah, you have to be like, well, it's a passion project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the point being, I'm trying to figure it out for season four well katie thank you for being here with us today everybody please listen to copper
0: and heat um katie's awesome i think the show is incredible we're so Thanks. happy you
1: were able to be on site work today and thank have you. some I crossover yeah so much fun if anybody has any ideas for season four let me know you both yeah. included there you go <laughs> there you go oh. right uh cool well I feel
2: empowered and excited. Um, I'm thinking about what I want to eat for lunch now. Because we were talking <laughs> oh, yeah. about a goat cheese farm. <laughs> nah, <laughs> if only there were a truck that would bring me goat cheese. If
1: only. If only. <laughs> oh, um, I, I would also chase that truck down.
2: Oh hell yeah. Uh, yeah, guys. Well, we're gonna wrap up and talk to you next week. And until then, you know what we say: Godspeed and good tips, good health, everybody.
1: We'll talk to
2: you soon.
1: Thank you.